Hello and welcome to Polls, PF and Prosecco, the podcast for riders that love to train, laugh and drink Prosecco. I'm Katie Gilmore and joining me is Grand Prix dressage rider, trainer, pole work specialist and published author Tanya Grantham of Inspire Dressage. We are recording today in the howling gales of a typical Sussex winter and as is usual for this time of year, we both have colds so please forgive the odd snuffle and us sounding like airline pilots. In this episode we'll be testing a very different drink. It's not Prosecco. I've gone rogue again and I'm told this cures all ills. We'll be finding out what Tanya's horse has found in their stockings and her plans for 2024. And of course, we will be answering your training questions. Tanya, I have gone off-piste. Oh, good. <laughs> Last time you went off-piste, it was less than successful. No, I'm assured that this will be really successful. Now, we've both had these never-ending colds. I've had mine since my little boy was unwell in November. Very sinusy, very unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And you've been battling similar. Yes, yes. I mean, I don't know how there is any more snot that can possibly come out of my body in the nice... I know it's not very pleasant, but it's true. It's really quite horrible. Yeah. Um, Now, my very good friend Lou, who I was at university with... This already sounds dangerous. (laughs) Recommendation from someone you went to university with. I have to say, it possibly is... Um, My friend Lou swears by this particular drink because she says it cures absolutely anything. So if you've got a broken heart, you have Lou's mixture. (laughs) If you're missing a limb, you have Lou's mixture. If you've got tonsillitis, you have Lou's mixture. Okay. Now, I should warn you that Lou is over six foot tall and can probably drink a rugby player under the table. Great, right. But just have a a quick listen to this. Prosecco. You don't need Prosecco at this time of year. As you can hear, I'm slightly husky. So what my grandmother would have recommended, which I recommend for everybody, and a hint of a cold, is um, a port and brandy. Not separately, together. I like a 70% port, 30% brandy mix. My brother goes for a slightly punchier 50-50, but it's all personal taste. I advise to experiment and... um, yeah, for everyone thinking, what on earth is she talking about? Port and brandy is a thing. And medicinal, according to my grandmother. God bless her. So, yes, go forth. Port and brandy. It's the only way forward. I'm guessing we're having port and brandy. Then. We're going to try <laughs> port and brandy and see if we can get rid of these awful colds. Okay. Right, what kind of mix do you want to go for? Let's go for Lou's, Lou's favourite with the 70. 30. Did she yeah. say 70 port? Yes, not 70 brandy. <laughs> Jesus, woman. <laughs> right, oh, we've got to get a pot ready. Oh. Pleasing. Oh, yeah, but I think port bottle makes actually a really good sound. That is a, that's the port. This is a tawny port. I'm not going to do massive ones because um, <laughs> it's a bit early in the day for port, in the, you know, let alone with brandy. So this is a tawny port. It's actually a Tesco tawny port, but other supermarkets provide their own too. <laughs> I'm not a massive port drinker. I don't like a full ruby port because I tend to get a bit of a headache with it. Oh, I do with cheese. Well, like anything goes with cheese. Though, yes, I fair. know. But but I yeah, like I would like a tawny port if I was drinking it. I like, I like both with cheese. The ruby port with cheese. I actually earlier in the year was in Portugal and bought a rosé port. Oh, lovely! Which we actually haven't yet tried. But Maybe I'm we'll do that. To trying a, that. We'll do that in a future episode. <laughs> right, we're using a Napoleon French brandy with this, and I have a paintbrush to stir it because I think it's actually going to be quite thick. It's um, go. it's not the most appetising colour, is it? No, it looks like the colour of my fields at the moment. It's it kind looks, of a bit of a like sludgy, <laughs> sludgy colour. Right, there you go. Okay. okay. Right, cheers. Cheers. Oh, it's actually quite nice. That's really nice. It's really nice. Oh, that's dangerously nice. Well done, Lou. Um, have you got some Christmas cake left? Because I really like a slice of Christmas cake with this. I actually do. Ooh, I amazing. do have a Christmas cake. Right. And do you know what? I've still got Christmas cheese. <gasps> 
Right, okay. Sod the, sod the episode. No more recording. I'm going to go and raid the kitchen. <laughs> so why are we enjoying this? It's actually really nice. Yes, thank you, Lou. Thank Very you, good. Lou. Um, I wonder now that if by the end of the day I'm going to have my sinuses completely cleared because I've had Lou's special cocktail. Of course. Let's hope so. So what was in your horse's stockings this year? In my horse's stockings, um, they all got some carrots. I mean, that's fairly normal, but um, Sam doesn't get carrots that often, so he, he loves carrots. Um, yeah, and other than that, I mean, I took them for a hack on Christmas Day. Lovely. <laughs> so they still, they still all got ridden? Um, Norman didn't. I wrote him Christmas Eve, and he worked so well. Mm. I actually gave him Christmas Day off, um, but both Igloo and Sam went for a nice hack on Christmas Day, because it was nice. actually vaguely pleasant in the morning. It was. So, yeah, it was a good time to go. And did you get anything nice in your stocking that you want to tell us about? I got lots of nice things. Did I got you? very spoiled. Yeah. Um, let's see. Mum got me a lovely pair of earrings. Very nice. Uh, Lisa, my partner, got me way too many things. So we kind of said we weren't doing much, and then I asked for a handbag, so I got that. But then I got some shoes as well from the same. Oh, I hope company. they match. Uh, yeah, I mean, Fabulous. you're gonna love them. Fabulous. Um, and a new Kindle because I do love reading. Brilliant. So yeah, um, and lots of my clients, funnily enough, gave me lots of bottles of prosecco. Can't think why. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like they know me. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the plans for 2024? What are the horses going to be doing? What's your aim for this year? Ah, uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I had so many aims for 2023. I feel like I actually achieved most of those. So this might be a slightly quieter year. Um, with Sam, I don't even know if I'm going to compete with him. I just want to really enjoy him and have fun. I think I mentioned before that last year, the big thing was that I wanted to do a Grand Prix special, which I did. Um, so I just want to keep him fit and healthy and happy and just really enjoy riding him. He will no doubt star in many videos on social media because he does. Um, obviously, all the poll work stuff, but also just some of the advanced work. Um, Igloo, I think we're going to keep at kind of advanced medium PSG. I'd like to go back and play around my freestyle a bit and tweak it. He'll do MCI as well as BD. And then Norman, um, I do plan to compete him probably in the spring. Okay. Um, partly because it's just not that fun in the winter with the weather. But also, I don't feel that he's really the sort that's going to be massively competitive at kind of novice level. Right. He's not naturally huge moving. Um, whereas at elementary and medium, I think he will be. He finds the collection much easier than the extension. Um, you know, he's small and short coupled anyway, so obviously yes. the small, intricate yeah. turns. Like elementary is a very transition-happy level, and at the moment that helps me when I school him. I do lots of transitions to yes. keep his balance and his attention and everything else. So I think at the point at which I feel like he could produce a proper elementary test, I'll go out and do that. Um I did have a really cool couple of rides last week. Um, I've just started popping in the changes. Okay. Um, so one way is pretty much clean on my aid. The other way is either a bit late behind or um, I revved the canter up a bit too much and got a rather um, flying change. Excellent. Say. But, but at least it's forward. Yeah, exactly. And the point is he's, he's, he understands the question. He's giving me an answer. He's trying to do the right thing. So um, very soon I'll leave them alone and then go and work on his simple changes and then uh, revisit them probably next winter. I find once they've got the basic idea, you don't need to do it a lot brilliant yeah if you haven't followed tanya on social media yet it's well worth your time tanya shares the highs and lows of life as a professional rider and trainer with complete honesty which is really refreshing in these days of filters she also shares her brilliant pole work layouts so do pop onto facebook where you'll find her as at inspire dressage official or instagram as inspire underscore dressage Actually, as you say about sharing the uh, highs and lows, at the end of every year, I always put up a highlights reel in inverted commas of outtakes. Um, and I actually just put it up 
on New Year's Day. Um, and funny enough, there weren't actually that many videos from last year, but believe me, that's not because there weren't many outtakes. <laughs> I just didn't happen <laughs> just to didn't have a video. video. But there is a video reel with a few on there, mm. so uh, do have a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't believe the speed that 2023 went by. Yeah, it was crazy. It flew. Yeah. It absolutely flew. And I was quite shocked by how quickly Christmas came round and then came and went. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping for me and my friends and family that 2024 moves a little bit slower and everybody has time to smell their horses. (laughs) Actually enjoy it a bit. Exactly. So I'm very excited about what we're doing in 2024 with the podcast. We've got really good upcoming guests and we do need your questions. So we are recording with Paul Snowzell from Up and Outdoor Fitness next week. Yeah, you don't need to bother with questions for him. It's fine. It's not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Tanya's only saying that because she's going to be the guinea pig. Mm. Yes. (laughs) Yay. So Paul specialises in core strength and he has worked with a lot of riders. So I think he's going to be quite an interesting guest with getting ourselves in shape for our horses at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'll be interested to find out exercises that you can do like easily kind of like in and around the yard and yeah. home, rather than having to go, you know, we want to go to a gym, we want to we can go for a run or something, yes. but stuff that you can practically do like quick and simple, but and, still effective. Yeah. And this is where Paul's really good because I'm very time poor with four children, horses and everything else. Mm. So Paul is really good at coming up with short bursts of things that I can do at home. Uh, Jackie Dark from Equine Law UK is joining us. She has an equine law practice and can represent people in the high court. So she's very high level. What she doesn't know about equine law probably isn't worth knowing. So any questions on whether you've been missold a saddle, a dealer that hasn't come right or anything at all. Disputes on yards. Livery contracts. Yeah. A number of things. Uh, do send us your questions. Matt Frost, international dressage rider and coach, is joining us. Now, he trains Singapore's only team member for their dressage team. He does. And they have just completed qualification for Paris. Amazing. So, yeah, we'll be uh, quizzing him all about that. But also, um, Caroline Chu, who is the team member, she is technically an amateur rider in that she works full time. She's a very, very high flying lawyer. Um, So it'd be really interesting to find out how they manage time training and kind of the three way relationship between not only Carol having to ride and train and compete her horse and Matt having to teach her, but Matt has to ride and train the horse a lot as well. Um, And for those of you listening who do ride other people's horses, there's a big difference in riding a horse for yourself and yes. riding it for a client. Now, obviously, as professionals, we're meant to use our strength and technique and skill to improve the horse, but you have to also train the horse to be ridden with your client's strength, yes, technique, absolutely. skill level as well. Absolutely. So it's a real balancing act. I think it's an incredible skill to have, and it'd be really interesting to chat to him It'd be about really it. interesting, I think. Um, we also have Liz Ormesher, who's the organiser of the National Equine Show, joining us. And I think, actually, a show organiser is a great person to talk to. Yeah, I mean, maybe she can organise us. <laughs> Someone needs to. Actually, you say that. You're the one with the spreadsheet and the stickers. We can and always learn. The highlighters. Always be more organised. <laughs> if there's a particular person you'd like us to invite onto Polls, PF and Prosecco, please do let us know. Our email inbox is open for your questions to any of our special guests and, of course, to Tanya for training questions. So please do email us, polesandprosecco at yahoo.com, or you can leave us a Q&A or a voice note on Spotify. These can remain anonymous. Are you ready to answer some questions? Yeah, of course. Excellent. So Claire has asked if dressage horses need to have dressage breeding or is it reasonable to expect a horse with show jumping breeding to be able to perform dressage? It's an interesting question. Oh, I mean, so actually dressage show and show jumping breeding are probably the closest. 
let's face it, they're both yeah. explosive sports. I.e. dressage, you want the explosion in the, in the energy for the passage, for the extension. Show jumping is obviously explosive over the fence, more so than cross-country horses. Obviously, cross-country need the blood to be able to run. I guess maybe less so now without the roads and tracks and steeplechase, yes. but they do need that blood for the over the cross-country fences themselves. Um, actually, if you look at a lot of warm blood breeding, a lot of them are dual purpose. Um, and even if the stallions don't necessarily compete in show jumping, as three-year-olds, most of them will loose jump for the stallion testing to show the athleticism. Um, so absolutely with show jumping breeding. And to be honest, even if they're not dressage bred, it doesn't matter. You know, you look at dressage now mm. and you see cobs and draft horses and obviously Lusos and Spanish horses. But, you know, you see all sorts. There's so many British ponies out there. Um, so much breeding, yes. you know, from various different things. And I think people are kind of siphoning out the best in terms of performance for dressage. So there's definitely... Some even Spanish horses who are much more traditionally bred for the bullfighting type thing, and there's mm. ones that are more bred for the dressage, and people are now focusing on the ones that that are performing well at the dressage and using that breeding. The same for the cobs, the same for the ponies, in the same way that you would maybe have ones that are much more your traditional showing lines, and yes. then you get the odd one that actually isn't that great for showing because maybe it's a bit long in the back or whatever, but actually that allows it to have better movement, therefore then are almost siphoned off into more of a dressage career and therefore breeding from that. So Absolutely. I think you can you can do dressage on anything. You can train any horse to perform. Um, at the end of the day, dressage is just accentuating their natural paces and ability and taking it to the maximum. Now, for one horse, that might be medium. For one horse, it might be Grand Prix. Yes, in theory, a higher percentage of warm bloods are likely to get to Grand Prix, but that doesn't mean the cobs and the ponies can't. No, I love They're seeing like, the cobs and the ponies, yeah, actually. Exactly. I love seeing the cobs and the shires, and there's nothing better than a dressage cob with feathers flying. Yeah. In an extension. It looks beautiful. It really does. I often go to the Associated Championships with Igloo, who's Spanish. um, And one of my favourite classes to watch is the draft horses. Yeah. And just like, there was one that, um, and like you say, he was beautiful, like chestnut, but white feathers, oh, white sort of near and hocked down. Yeah. And he was doing the early and he was flicking his little toes across in his leg gears. Oh, they're just fabulous. I, lo- I love a cob that can. Yeah. We know this. Um, Chris said, I have a young horse that feels very downhill in canter, but doesn't really look it. What can I do to improve the canter so I feel more secure? Now, I'm not sure if this is a question more about the canter or about security in the saddle. Hmm, probably a combination of both. I guess it's chicken and egg, isn't it? If the canter's better, in theory, you'll feel more secure. If you're more secure, probably you can influence and make the canter better. Um, So if they're feeling downhill, one of two things is happening. They're either probably setting a bit in front, either in the jaw or the neck or the back, and therefore they're kind of being a bit, a bit hard on the ground so they're feeling a bit downhill or they're setting a bit behind and going a bit croup high yeah. producing the downhill feeling right um so anything you want to be doing is going to be working on that engagement of the hind legs lift of the core and the connection up to the contact so all of the normal things transitions lateral work etc and then obviously pole work a pole so triangle would you recommend a pole triangle and canter Love would be it. great a pole square in triangle, even you don't necessarily have to ride the canter to work on the canter. Yes. So the canter's a lateral pace. So if you add trot lateral work, so for example, a trot leg yield, you'll be working on the areas of the body needed to make the canter. And sometimes when they really are downhill in canter or really struggling, actually cantering round and round and round doesn't help. You're much better off doing transitions or doing like more trot work and then a little bit of canter as and when. 
Um, the other thing that's quite interesting to do is to work them on the lunge over the poles and let them find their own balance a little bit with without your help or your hindrance. Okay. So if you aren't feeling secure in the saddle, you might be getting in the way. But also, most of us that are able to sit there on a horse will be balancing a horse, even if we don't realise it. So for the horse to actually be strong in their own body, and horses can lean on your seat as much as your hand. Yes. And your leg. Yeah. So having, having to find their own balance on the lunge. Um, and the poles is a good way of doing it because it regulates the tempo for them, having the poles set out. Yes. We've got quite a few canter questions this time, actually. Ooh, I love canter. It's my favourite pace. Suzanne said, she has a mare that keeps changing behind in canter. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a reason why this is happening and what? should she do I mean, for me that i don't know oh she's got a mare um for me that makes me think of ovaries yeah so often changing behind in canter is something high up so mm. sacroiliac area ovaries obviously the case just behind the saddle um so the first thing is obviously check all the veterinary stuff off let your vet have a look get your physio to check make sure your saddle's fitting all of those things assuming that's all checked off and there aren't any physical problems yeah. then you need to work on strengthening that area and even like showing your horse how to use that area. So again, a bit like the last one, the pole work over the canter, the adjustability within the canter, so being able to send it forwards, collect it back again, you know, anything that's going to get them to use that area and unlock a little bit in their body. Great. Walk to canter. Mm. Anonymous says, I cannot get my walk to canters to be fluid. My horse tends to leap up and forward rather than a smooth transition. What can I do? Um... You kind of want them to go up and forward in a walk to canter. I guess maybe it's too extreme. Yeah, maybe. So generally, the most common fault with a walk to canter is that it dribbles into canter and it has a sort of jog step through. Yes. And that's often because people aren't making enough of a half fault with their outside rein. So when you ask for a walk canter, you do all your usual setup. So you make sure they're bending around your inside leg, your weights on your inside seat bone. You take your outside leg back to strike off to the canter because it's the outside hind leg you want to start with. Yeah. But if you don't half fault on the outside rein, they tend to go forwards before they strike off to canter, i.e. the jog step or the trot step. Yes. So I always try to encourage people to think about deepening their outside elbow and almost thinking of like using that outside rein as they use their outside leg. So they ask the horse to go up before they go forwards. Yeah. So if your horse is going up too much, maybe it's the strength or the timing of the half halt. Okay. So maybe have a play with maybe you're holding the half halt too long. So the horse is feeling a bit blocked and then launches into canter. Or maybe it's just slightly too firm. Try with a slightly lighter half halt. Um, the other thing is to try riding it and thinking about the next phase of the canter. So everyone knows to use that outside leg to strike off the canter because the outside hind leg. But once you're in the canter, it's the inside leg that keeps the tempo going. So as you ask that inside hind to keep stepping in canter. So when you're riding the transition, you sort of want to go dum outside, inside. So I sometimes say to people, focus on riding. So you, they strike off the canter, which is duh. You need to think of dum. So step two. So I say to people, focus on two, three, and four. Canter step yes. with your inside leg. So maybe your half horse fine. Maybe your outside leg's fine. But maybe you're not using your inside leg quite at the right timing. So there's that hesitation when your horse waits to be told what to do next. Yeah. And even even going a bit more extreme and thinking with your leg and your seat, almost like imagine you're going to go to medium canter. So you really swing your seat forward and really send the horse forward into the canter. And you might also find it's better to say make the transition in a corner onto a long side so they're going forwards in the canter rather than horse that runs away you do it onto a small circle to balance them back of something course. like that helen's rehabbing her horse in walk can you give her some exercises to make this more interesting oh god listen to a podcast <laughs> <laughs> no walk rehab is the most dull boring 
bum numbing it is <laughs> yes but so necessary um it depends a little bit on what you're allowed to do so with some kind of walk rehab some stages of it you're not allowed to do lateral work so you'd obviously need to check with your vet what you can do if you can't do lateral work then i would do lots of transitions so think about all the different walks you've got collective walk medium walk extended walk and free walk think about all those different walks and being able to make transitions between them like test lines so medium Mm. on the short side extended walk across the diagonal things like that um also riding walk halt transitions if they're allowed to rain back you can go walk halt rain back you can run towards if you've got a mirror run towards look on the straightness or sideways so you work on the squareness and be able to touch them and ask them to square up if you are allowed to do lateral work then great because that opens a whole load of possibilities of it does, yeah. and obviously small circles too so if you're allowed to do more smaller lines in the lateral work i do things like ride through tests so I ride through a medium test in walk yeah I ride my 10 metre circle that would be in trot, but in walk. I ride my half pass, but in walk. And so this is the canter, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very dependent on what you're allowed to do. And she doesn't say how she's working the horse in walk. For me, I would find that more interested in long reins than I would on a yeah, line. Yeah, I think, I guess it depends whether you're riding whether you're not running again yes. for some rehab, you would be doing it ridden. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly a lot of mine would be safer being ridden Yeah. walk. For others, say if it's kissing spine or something, you would be on the ground. So can yeah. you put a saddle on or not? Can you long line through a saddle? Can you long line just with a roller or simply just around the horse without? I mean, I often long line without anything if I don't need the side reins. Yeah. Obviously, depending upon the horse's training and temperament, yes. Yes. there are some <laughs> that you may not want to be long lining, particularly yeah. in the gale force winds yes. in the winter. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess... There's so many different kind of options to that question to know which bit to answer. Absolutely. It's your favourite questions. You might want to have a gulp of your Port and Brandy Ooh, just to yes. make this easier. Just excuse, it's actually really, really nice. It's really good. Yeah, I noticed yours disappeared. Yeah, mine quickly. has actually gone. Okay, fail of the week. Okay, so I thought I would pick up on something from the last episode with Jenny. So someone was asking her about um, forgetting tests or memorising tests. And it was kind of at the stage where the person was almost preempting they were going to forget it. And Jenny talked about how to deal with that. But even if you're not at that stage, you know, a lot of us, you know, you forget tests. So I have never had a moment in an arena where I've gone blank. Okay, okay. that's interesting. So I don't struggle with learning tests. Right. I find it quite easy to learn tests. I know every single long arena test from prelim to Grand Prix. I learn it through shapes. And so I know the circles at the judge's end and then the diagonal is from the corner to the three-quarter marker. And honestly, you can pick a number from any test and I might not be able to sit here and recite it start to finish, but I'll remember something from it, whether it'll be the walk line's a bit different or the counter-counter, and I can then run it backwards or forwards to work out the rest of the test. I've always been able to do that. So I have never, ever, ever been in a test and gone blank. That doesn't mean I haven't gone wrong. Right. So what's happened to me is I've mixed two tests together Okay. So, for example, at the end of Advanced Medium 98, which is the regional test, and the end of the PSG, so two consecutive levels, you would quite often go out in training and ride both of those tests, or at regionals, you would quite often be doing Advanced Medium and PSG. Yeah. The second to last movement in both is you go extend a counter across the long diagonal, uh, HXF? Yes, HXF, just to work which way round it was, with your flying change at the end, and you then turn on the centre line in counter. Yeah. Now, in the PSG, you remain in canter and make your halter X. In the advanced medium, you make a trot transition at D and then ride it medium trot from L to G into your halt. So I have once ridden the end of the PSG in the advanced medium. 
Okay. So I came around and I totally thought I was doing it. It was only when I halted, I went, oh God, it's wrong. So it's a slightly different thing. Um, now this, obviously I ride tests all the time. All the time. I mean, yeah. I looked up recently how many BD points I have and it's in the thousands. That's brilliant. It's amazing, but it means I've ridden yeah. a lot of tests. So it doesn't mean that you don't go wrong. But I don't have that thing. I don't worry about them not going to remember the test. I don't worry I'm going to forget it. But things like that do happen. Now, there are two incidences where I've got it muddled and it's been extremely costly. So the first one, um, again, I hadn't, I didn't go blank. Um, I didn't even really get it muddled because what I forgot was a given retake. Okay. So in elementary 59, you have one given retake in canter and it's on the short side. So it's a bit of an unusual place. Normally they're on circles and it's not symmetrical. You only have one. So um, it comes after a medium canter. You've done medium canter on the long side, collect at the corner, the given retake on the short side, obviously to show the self-carriage before you go off and do your next movement. And I collected, I'd done the difficult bit. I collected the medium canter. The canter was really good. I rode around and as I went around the corner, the bell rang and I immediately knew what oh. I'd done. <laughs> and like my heart honestly dropped out because the show that I was at was the British Dressage Nationals. Oh no. It was Igloo's first nationals at elementary gold. Oh. And I was like, oh, bugger. <laughs> so at the time, put it behind me, wrote the rest of the test, it was all fine. But I was pretty inconsolable afterwards, feeling like yes. I'd let him down um, and let the owner down. Because it's not only minus two, it's minus ten, because I had five judges. Oh, harsh. Yep. And then the other time was at Barry Farm High Profile a couple of years ago. I was on Sam. And I was riding the Inter 2. Now, in the Inter 2, you make your, make your transition from passage to walk at P. And you go P to the corner marker, an extended walk. In the Grand Prix, no, sorry, you go P to the second marker, to S. In the Grand Prix, you make your transition from passage to walk at exactly the same marker at P and you go to the corner. Okay. So I was in the Inter 2. I should have ridden to S and I rode to the corner. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So... Whereas with the given retake, I obviously hadn't performed the movement. So the judge rang the bell to give me a chance to perform it. So I got my minus two, but I still got my mark for my movements. You can still get yeah. eight for the movement, but just your minus two. Yes. Because I'd gone, I had performed the movement. I performed an extended walk, just one marker too much. And I performed a collective walk, just one marker too short. So the judge didn't ring the bell. They marked me for it and then just did the deduction. Right. So I'd finished the test, none the wiser that I'd done the wrong thing. Because the rest of it all was in, I was on the correct yeah. rain, everything yeah. was in the right place, all of that. And it was only, and I came out and I was really happy. I thought it was one of his better into twos, really, really tough with him. And I went, I was looking at the scores and it was, I thought it was a really good test and it was just under 65% and I was really disappointed. And then when I got my sheet. That you saw that what I happened. Saw, oh, because no. at FEI, it's not minus two marks. It's oh, no. minus 2%. Well, that's a bit harsh. But it was just under 67. Yeah. So it was a great test from Sam. Oh, bless <laughs> Unfortunately, him. not from me. So, you know, it happens to everyone. And I remember um, Laura Bechtel's summer, I think it was... Beijing Olympics. It was before London. It was one of the first ones she did on Alf. Yeah. And um, she forgot her whole rain back at the Olympics. That's pressure. You know? And it's yeah. not like, you know, she's ridden that test millions of times. And on that on, horse. On that horse, on different horses yeah. and everything else. Yeah. It just shows you, it doesn't matter who you are, how prepared, how, yeah. you know, what level you are. Our brains do funny things to us sometimes. They do. They All do. All you can do is move on from it. You just have to and, put it behind you and yeah, go forward. Yeah. But people think, oh, it only happens to me. It honestly doesn't. <laughs> Well, no, no, if it happens to Laura at an Olympics, yeah. I think we can all cut ourselves a bit of slack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Tip of the week. So tip of the week about learning tests is obviously Jenny's point was once you get to the stage that you 
think you're going to forget it, then you have to reprogram your brain to trust yourself that you're not going to. But I wanted to touch on how you learn. So everyone's different in how they learn. And, you know, maybe if you've been to university and studied or if you remember from like school studies or something else, people learn different ways. For me, I'm very visual. For me, it shapes and patterns. Other people, they need things written down or they need to do it in person. So like some of my clients write out their tests and write themselves little notes and that helps them remember it. Um, some of my clients, I kind of say to them, like, ride through the whole test in walk. So whether it's on that horse or on a different horse, ride through it so you're actually in the moment talking mm. yourself through it. Like I say, for me, I'm quite visual. So A, it's the shapes and patterns, but also I like to picture the arena I'm competing in. So if I know the venue, I'll do it before I go. If I don't, I'll always go and look at the arena before I compete. So if, if I'm down centre line, turn right and then across the diagonal to the corner marker, I'll be like, turn right towards the gallery. Yeah. Across the diagonal towards the car park. Um, circle at the mirror end so for me I like to know what's what arena I'm in and that helps me and things like remembering all both the medium counters are towards the judge's end yeah little things like that so it keeps you so sometimes you're coming around you think oh this this picture's wrong when you're in it because you've pictured I should be going towards also in terms of like mentally preparing for what you're going to do in your test I spent a lot of time over the years riding really quite spooky horses in tests. So if I know I'm coming down that long side past the judges box that they tend to spook at, I'll think, right, shoulder four past B, then straighten up to be able to show my circle at R or whatever it might be. Um, So it'll give me the little cues if I know the arena that I'm in as well. And again, that then helps with the memorising. I think people often go wrong when something happens they haven't planned for. So if the horse is being naughty, it's quite common that people will go a bit wrong after to get a bit flustered. If you sort of mentally planned for, I'm going to have to have like take preventative measures here, then if it does go wrong, hopefully that's part of your learning of the test and you'll be able to do it. So I think try and work out how you learn. Do you need to do something with colours? Do you you need to draw it or write it in colours? Is it physically going through it? Some people will walk around the living room pretending they're in an arena. Yes, I've done that. Yeah, Yeah. whatever it is that works for you, do it. It doesn't matter if it's the same as your mate. No. But do whatever works for you. My daughter has a little whiteboard. Yeah. And she will draw, I mean, she's going out doing intro and prelim, but yeah. she will draw her test on a little whiteboard. Yeah. And for her, that works. Yeah. 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 For me, I do need to trot around the living room. Yeah. There That's you go. exactly what I do. <laughs> with glass of Prosecco in hand, probably. Yeah. With spilling it all over myself, usually. <laughs> so I've got one extra question for you. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> if you could give our listeners one New Year's resolution to carry out, what would it be? Ooh. Um, look back at last year. Work out what you've actually, where you've come from, what you've achieved. Make a bit of a plan as to what you want to achieve this year, but be kind with it. Be realistic. That's great advice. That's quite I grown love up, that. wasn't it? It's very grown up. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget, a port and brandy cures all ills. <laughs> I'm not sure we recommend trying that at home. Our email inbox is very much open for your questions to our upcoming special guests. Personal trainers, Paul Snozell, equine lawyer, Jackie Dark international dressage rider Matt Frost and organiser of the National Equine Show Liz Ormesher are all joining us in the coming weeks and of course your training questions for Tanya send us a note via email to polesandprosecco at yahoo.com or send us a Q&A or voice note on Spotify make sure you stay up to date with Poles PF and Prosecco by keeping an eye on Tanya's social media you can do this by following at Inspire Dressage Official on Facebook and Inspire underscore Dressage on Instagram Tanya's book, The Pole Work Journal, with 54 pole work sessions for you to try, is available at horseandriderukcom slash shop for just 19 99 Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>